0: Man, I tell ya, all the sweating you do down here, at least I'm losing a couple pounds or two. Soon I might look good naked. And speaking of which, this episode is brought to you by Naked Nutrition. Naked Nutrition provides you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet your nutrition and fitness goals. Naked Nutrition is completely transparent about their ingredients. That way you know exactly what's going into your body. No additives means your body gets more of what it needs. And if you don't believe me, I suggest checking out their Naked PB, which is actually a powdered peanut butter. Really good if you're into protein. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase at NakedNutrition.com by using the code POD. That's P-O-D POD. That's 10% off using the code POD for first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. I, on the other hand, have to be naked by choice because the fires of hell have burnt off all my clothing. Now then, on with the show.
1: And now, because you were bad last week, this is Teller Hell.
0: I think it's time to take a look once again at TV Guide's list of the 50 worst TV shows of all time. This week in TV Guide, one of the film industry's most prized commodities is Image, Even though this list is nearly 20 years old and the powers that be at TV Guide have yet to update it for this day and age, I see this list as a way to help me brace myself for whatever is on the horizon down here. Since we started the show, we covered seven of the shows that are on TV Guide's list, from our first subject in Jackie Gleason's You're in the Picture at number six on the list, to most recently Baby Bob, which landed at number 14. But while there are a number of names on this list that we must steal ourselves for down the line, there's a couple of entries on the list that make us wonder, huh? For instance, in our episode about the 1983 flop condo, we mentioned that McLean Stevenson had a comparably minor hit in the late 70s, early 80s with Hello Larry.
2: Well, hello Larry, hello Larry. you talk to people all day for a
0: That show ranked as high as number 12 on the list. Yet in spite of a medium average rating on IMDb and a lot of retooling in between the show's two seasons that ultimately ruined it, the show still has its fair share of fervent defenders. One might even say it's a guilty pleasure, something that we swore to ourselves we would never cover around here. There's other entries on the list that have a similar trajectory, loathed by critics but loved by its fans. And if we can help it, we'll try to avoid those entries down the line as well. In that spirit, there was one particular entry on the list that caught my attention, number 43 on it to be exact. And today, we're going to find out if it's even worthy of being there in the first place.
1: Fox recognizes there are some subjects so serious they can't be made fun of. Fortunately, the end of the world isn't one of them.
3: Some of the eastern seaboard may have been spared. Really? No, just kidding. Introducing Whoops,
0: the first comedy. After all, nothing says hilarious comedy like the end of the world. Especially if you're on a fledgling network desperate to fill a hole in your prime time schedule. A hole that may have been created thanks
4: to an atom bomb that was sent courtesy...
0: It feels like an eternity since I got to pick on a disaster piece from the Fox network. Not because I didn't want to, but because there are just so many goddamn flops to choose from. And why not? A TV network that's as young as Fox is, even in this day and age, is bound to make a number of mistakes as part of its growing pains en route to becoming a network on par with its peers. Of course, when it comes to the Fox network, there's a fine line between a show with critical acclaim and a show destined for the compost heap. And the network has put on its fair share of both over the years that lasted one season or less.
1: We've just gotta accept the fact that Fox has to make room for terrific shows like Dark Angel, Titus, Undeclared, Action, That 80 Show, Wonder Falls. Hey, Fast come Radio.
4: on!
0: We did that joke all the way in episode six. Don't get lazy. And besides, those shows listed in that Family Guy joke may be a little too modern for our tastes anyway. Now, if you want to hear about a show with great expectations that flew too close to the gigantic nuclear furnace known as the Sun, we have to travel back to a time when the network was still in its infancy, particularly 1992, when the network was riding high thanks to the early years of The Simpsons, and ongoing hits like Married with Children, In Living Color, plus the recently premiered Martin and Living Single. And while those shows dealt with everyday problems in various people's lives, there was one subject that most shows dared not to touch back then, but Fox Being Fox dared to be different by picking up a somewhat light-hearted sitcom about the world coming to an end and the survivors of said apocalypse, an idea that would have easily been laughed out of Hollywood were it not for one production team believing in it in the first place. One other thing to remind you of from our condo episode was the production team of Paul Junger-Witt and Tony Thomas, who for the better part of the past 40 years helped usher in iconic television, whether it be Soap, The Golden Girls, Blossom, or others. Of course, most of those hits wound up happening with the assistance of their sometimes equal creative partner, Susan Harris. But that didn't mean they still didn't do well for themselves as a duo instead of a trio. In fact, the duo already had an established hit on the Fox network in the 1990s in the form of Herman's Head.
1: This is Herman Brooks. Herman is just like the rest of us.
3: Every day he has to make. That success
0: allowed the duo to add another show to the Fox network one year later. Enter writer producer Gary Jacobs, who previously worked with Witten Thomas on another hit of theirs Empty Nest on NBC. Jacobs came up with an idea that was equal parts simple, yet insane at the same time, especially by 1990 standards. The world blows up, and the few survivors out there try to live their lives while rebuilding society, or as some would consider it, a post-apocalyptic Gilligan's Island. Here Gilligan. And maybe because I'm a little too jaded from being down here for so long, but... Without viewing an episode of this show yet, I honestly don't see what the problem is here. Yeah, the concept seems a little outrageous for the 90s, but if you really squint hard at it, maybe it was an idea ahead of its time. Or maybe there was something about it that we haven't quite touched on just yet. Uh, anyway. Thanks to the clout of Wit and Thomas, the show was bought by the one network willing to take a chance on such things. So committed was the Fox Network that they decided to make it a part of their hallowed Sunday night lineup in 1992. Of course, those were the years before The Simpsons moved back there after a few years on Thursday nights. But I digress. Since the idea of an apocalyptic comedy kind of intrigues me, though, let's just jump right in. September 27th, 1992. George H.W. Bush is facing a re-election challenge against Bill Clinton and Ross Perot. The third film in the Evil Dead franchise, Army of Darkness, was a minor hit at the box office. And at 8.30, 7.30 central, we hear the tale of how the world came to an end via our main character, a teacher named Mark Braddock, as played by Evan Handler. Now, unfortunately, the copy of the show that I was able to find in Hell's Gift Shop had the first minute cut from it, because, of course. But thanks to some plot synopsis I found elsewhere... It turns out that in the first minute of the show, the nukes went off during a military parade that got triggered thanks to some kids fooling around with a remote-controlled car, and that it somehow led to a chain reaction causing the bombs to go off accidentally. Ludicrous way to start, but in a case like this, I'm willing to suspend some disbelief a little bit. Now we get to our narrator.
3: That morning started off for me like any other. I was teaching English to my class of sixth graders at Jefferson Elementary. I was on my lunch break at the drive through ATM when it happened. The Volvo proved even safer than advertised.
0: Oh... Okay, as much as I'm sure Volvo appreciated the product placement, just because it's one of the safest cars ever made doesn't mean it's an infallible car. If this were the actual apocalypse, he would have been blinded by the explosion if the heat from the blast didn't get to him first. Just because it barely worked for Jason Robards in the day after doesn't mean it'll work for everybody else. Especially this Spotless. Moving on, Mark drives his seemingly indestructible car as much as he can before it runs out of gas. He heads by foot beyond the barren wastelands and ultimately comes across a fully intact farmhouse where he meets other survivors of the bomb. Where am I? You have passed on, and this is heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Really?
3: No, I'm putting you on. (laughs) The world was destroyed, and we're the survivors. (laughs) Mr. Connors. What? No, what that is it? You're in a farmhouse. We don't know
0: where exactly. Are we really the only ones left? We don't know. And now, let me quickly introduce you to some of the other occupants. The guy making all the jokes is a homeless man named Jack, played by Fred Applegate. The woman in the room is a feminist bookstore owner named Alice, played by Megan Fay. And the uptight guy is a former millionaire venture capitalist named Curtis, played by Lane Davies. To recap teacher, homeless guy, feminist bookstore owner, millionaire, the end of the world. With me so far good, because it's now time to find out how everybody else survived. I
3: had just sold one of our Women of Congress calendars when I noticed that the cash register was out of tape, so I went down to the basement, which is where we keep the supplies, and that's how I made it.
0: Okay, ripping off the Burgess Meredith Twilight Zone way of survival. Check. I was in the vault in my office. Uh, Another Twilight Zone rip-off. Double check. Me, I was under
3: the interstate when it happened. That was lucky. Oh, no, no, not really. I was living there.
0: Well, well, at least that was dumb luck and happenstance But I have to question the validity of being able to survive that way Unless that overpass was as lead-lined and as sealed up as Indiana Jones's fridge There's only so much suspension of disbelief that I can believe in Just then, our next survivor comes knocking at the farmhouse door Fortunately, since he's played by actor Clavant Derricks He can simply slide into another universe if things go wrong But that's another show on Fox entirely that's actually a lot better compared to this Tell
2: me something I'm the only black person here, Anna. Well, it goes along with the rest of the day.
0: As the next day dawns, we get to know our survivors a little better, as well as the realization that they might all be together for a greater purpose. Maybe we are here for a reason. Oh,
3: that's
2: absurd.
0: What reason?
3: To start over, to create a new society, a just society.
2: I thought the society we had was pretty just. <laughs>
3: I had a mansion and a cellular phone. And he lived under a highway.
0: I said pretty just. (laughs) And watching this entire first act, I'm still trying to piece together why this show makes it onto so many worst lists. Yes, the idea about making the end of the world a sitcom seemed ridiculous in 1992, but when you consider the year that we just went through and the continuing uncertainty that tomorrow will bring, I have a feeling that those who put the show on the list may have been a little hasty to judge. After all, there are worse things to complain about than lighthearted jokes about the apocalypse and... Where the hell are these bells coming from? Starting to bug me. Uh... Anyway, Act 2 begins with the survivors forging a plan to usher in a new era of society. It goes about as well as you expect.
3: Okay, we have a problem here. What? There are no instructions on this bag of seeds. Oh, you're kidding. Surely one of us knows something about gardening. I can find my way out of a hedge maze. (laughs) Wait a minute, I carry a book in my store on feminist gardening. What's feminist gardening? I'm guessing no zucchini.
0: After that bit of doofishness, the group starts to lose their confidence in each other, even though they've only been rebuilding society for exactly one day.
3: I was dragged by my wrist behind a plow for 50 acres. That is more than unfortunate. That is the stuff punitive damages are made of. Things will go better tomorrow.
0: At the barn raising? I don't think so. (laughs) And just when things were starting to get a little uncomfortable, along comes our sixth member of the survivor pool. It's an incredibly beautiful woman, Jack. No, no, I'm
3: not kidding. (laughs) No, you are not kidding. (laughs) Wow.
2: Hubba hubba. Where the hell that come from? (laughs)
0: She's not that great. <laughs> well, yeah, I could only imagine what the sexual tension would be like on a show where men outpace the women four to one, so naturally they had to bring in a vibrant young lady to the festivities, played here by Marita Garrity, and hopefully she'll add something of substance to the proceedings.
2: Boy, we could have used someone like you at Antoine's. That's the salon where
3: I work.
0: Oh, you're a hairdresser.
2: I wish. <laughs> No, I'm just a manicurist. But I've also done some hand modeling.
0: Or she'll be our stereotypically dumb person. A shame, really, because I kind of had money on the fat guy being the dumb guy. But I wouldn't want to confuse his optimism with naivety. Jeez, your name just went right out of my head! (laughs) As the gentlemen fawn over some fresh meat, and our feminist bookstore owner does Tina Fey levels of eye-rolling... Something happens next that may have been the tipping point when it came to people being on the fence about this show. Something that would probably be considered more unusual in this day and age than catastrophically bizarre for a 90s sitcom. Brace yourself, here it is. What was that? It came from outside.
2: Whoa! hell. It's a giant spider. <laughs> It must be some sort of mutation, a result of the radioactivity.
0: You think? (laughs) Well, to be fair, at least it's not as stupid a twist as the giant spider that used to be a clown that lived in Maine. Then again, I always thought spiders exposed to radiation were supposed to be the good guys. Either way, this is still one hell of a thing to throw out on your first episode. What's the gang to do when the spider has the feminist bookstore lady in its clutches?
2: Jack, we got any more of that corned beef hash? I think so, why? Get it, and that bottle of vinegar in the pantry. By mixing the acid in the vinegar with the nitrate in the corned beef, I may be able to make some sort of liquid tear gas. That's great! Yeah, but the problem is we gotta somehow get it into its face! We can dip the mop in the solution and infill it into its face! That would take one hell of a toss. No, it's impossible!
1: Maybe not. You see... (laughs) I used to throw the javelin for the Harvard Business School. Where's the vinegar? We're out.
3: I have some nail polish remover. Would that help?
2: It's acetate base. It just might. You only got one shot at this, so make it a good one. I'll try.
0: Now, chase this, Yaley!
3: <laughs>
0: Bullseye! I'll be honest, I'm kind of here on this piece. On the one hand, that was a pretty ludicrous way to deal with things, and yet not so ludicrous that I would find myself saying anything negative about it while still suspending my disbelief. Maybe this show was meant to be more of a human cartoon that it lets on. After all, the early years of the Fox Network was all about experimentation. No matter how stupid the premise would be, you still gotta give them credit for trying. The episode wraps up with a gang now optimistic towards an uncertain future.
3: I'd like to propose a toast. (laughs) To the spider. To the spider? Hmm. We were about to go our separate ways before he showed up. It was the spider that brought us together, that showed us that not only shouldn't we let our differences tear us apart, but it's those very differences, that diversity, that makes us strong.
2: Wow. Are you like the smartest guy in the whole world?
0: (laughs) So that was the pilot episode of Whoops! And while I agree that there are some things about it that may have been a little too... out there for 1992, I legitimately don't see anything wrong with this show. Even looking at the rest of the shows listed, it seems like pretty standard sitcom fare whether the apocalypse was the main subject or not, including the survivors inventing their own currency, the survivors holding an election to see who would lead the group, Santa Claus showing up after he killed the reindeer and- WAIT A MINUTE! Say what now? I killed Mrs. Claus and all the elves! You know, I've been down here for so long, I don't even bother to look at a calendar anymore. What month is this? Holy shit, it's December. And this show had a Christmas episode. I think I'm gonna need to recharge for this one. Uh, we'll see how jolly old saint nick fares against nuclear winter after the break
3: santa pets are coming santa pets are coming santa pets are coming santa pets are coming to your town watch out
1: Cola Santa Packs, the only real holiday refreshment. Look for this display at your store. Holiday refreshment's
3: what we bring. A Santa pack, it's always the real thing.
0: Telehell is proud to partner up with Dave's Archives. Dave's Archives is the premier spot on YouTube where you can get your vintage TV fix, including old commercials and original shows covering classic TV and other TV-related pop culture. Here's just a small taste of what they have in store for you.
1: You can fight, beat the system. You can fight, do it your way. You can fight be a hero all around manhattan New jersey stat connecticut countryside with rights informative the right alternative for life the choice is fight
0: want to check out the rest of it go to youtube and type in dave's archives or you can visit them on facebook again search dave's archives and now back to my punishment for the week December 6th, 1992. Bill Clinton defeats George H.W. Bush in the election. The movie Aladdin becomes a juggernaut for Disney. And coincidentally enough, 28 years to the day that this episode is being uploaded, at 8.30, 7.30 Central, we get to take a page from Weird Al's book and spend Christmas at Ground Zero with the Whoops Gang in an episode appropriately called Say It Ain't So, Santa this I've got to see. Even
3: when I was living on the street, people were in such good moods. Oh, sure, passersby would still kick you in the kidneys as you slept, you know, they didn't put as much force into it. Tree at Rockefeller Center, shopping on Fifth Avenue, kicking the nearest bomb, then speeding off at my limo. Wait a minute. Saks 49th Street entrance? Oh, wait a minute. In a refrigerator box? Wrapped in a urine-soaked blanket? Yes. That was you? Yes! Well, that's just too much.
0: <laughs> that light-hearted ease of sadomasochism aside, Mark tries to clean out the fireplace, where he makes a startling discovery. Whoa!
3: Good morning. What
0: the hell was that?
3: Oh, my God. I think it's another survivor. Oh, shit. Oh, oh. oh, God. Let me help you. It's safe.
0: It's a small world after all, as we see Santa get pulled out of the chimney. And considering that the show has an intentionally limited cast, the need for guest stars to appear was just as limited. So, in one of the rare occasions when the show needed a guest star, who else did they get but a different kind of survivor? One of our previous raft.
1: The name is Claus, but you can call me Santa. it! I think we're out of Honey,
0: I think we're out of dental floss. That's right. Our returning champion is Stuart Pankin, former voice of Earl Sinclair from Dinosaurs, collateral damage to Eric Idle's sitcom Nearly Departed, and I'm sure a man of other talents is one of Whoops's only guest stars. But really, this was just a character role. He's lucky I remembered him from something else, or he'd be a non-entity altogether. Anyway, as a dazed Santa rests up, most of the gang immediately has some doubts as to whether or not Saint Nick is who we think he is. All except for Jack, whose optimism knows no bounds.
3: Jack, this man is not Santa Claus.
0: Oh, yeah? Well, if he's not Santa, how do you explain the reindeer that are no longer here? (laughs) Wow! Logic and intelligence, on the other hand, the jury's still out. The gang tries to rummage through would-be Santa's belongings to find out if the Jolly One is who he says he is, just in time for Santa to add the survivors to his naughty list.
3: Please understand, we are delighted you've decided to come here and stay with us, and we know that it's fun for you to pretend that you're Santa Claus, but you're among friends now, and you can tell us who you really are. I'm
1: Santa. He's not cracking. We may have to rough him up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, if you're gonna rough up Santa Claus, I think it's probably best left to the professionals.
2: What's the job?
3: i am like you to kill Santa Claus.
0: I'm looking for the fat man. You can't be serious. This is what people actually think of me. Christmas is a farce. So I'm a joke. But the <laughs> hell have I been missing out on the surface? Anyway, the gang continues to seek out the logic behind this mysterious stranger's visit as one by one, Santa is able to deduce who everybody is as confirmation. You're
1: Curtis Thorpe? I could tolerate your long, greedy wish list, but what got me was that P.S. Please accelerate deterioration of the ozone layer as I have cornered the market on sunblock. (laughs) Look, if you're Santa, what did I ask for when I was ten? You wanted an adult cadaver, and the original Broadway cast album... ...of Kiss Me K. Uh,
0: sorry, I couldn't come through with a stiff, by the way. (laughs) Federal regulations. And once again, in spite of the very limited size and scope of the show... ...I legitimately don't see why it has the reputation that it does. Maybe the boss is trying to play a Christmas trick on me. After all, this is hell. Hell, for hell's sake. We don't have any Christmas trees... Or eggnog. Or presents. Or loved ones to be around during the holidays. Or anything involving being human again. Uh... There has to be a catch, right? I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be looking at this show in the first place, right? Right? Am I right? Well, moving on. Now that the gang has accepted Santa Claus exists in their house, we go ahead with the holiday preparations, including some obligatory jokes about other holidays.
3: And don't you worry, Mark. In making our song selection, I haven't forgotten you, our son of Israel. We will, of course, be musically commemorating the Festival of Lights. Hanukkah. Fine. Whatever makes you
0: happy. (laughs) Okay, thanks for breaking the tension a little bit. As Santa wakes up, we find out that he's a little bit on the unmerry side.
1: Oh, Santa! We thought you'd be sleeping in this morning. No, actually, I never went to bed. I tried, but I kept waking up with cold sweats. And soon, we find out why. We don't make this world. We just do a short dance across the stage. Big finale. Final bout. And... Then it's over. Hey, I'm going upstairs and take a shits bath.
0: <laughs> okay, I think I'm slowly starting to get why this episode is being featured here. Santa lost his loved ones during the bomb dropping, so survivor's guilt. But still, that's a pretty heavy subject to drop on a sitcom. Even if the sitcom is about the end of the world, you still have to do your job and make people laugh. Fortunately, that's all a part of Jack's plan to bump up the holiday festivities to the next day and hopefully boost Santa's spirits a little. It's
1: the season to be jolly.
0: Fala la 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 la.
1: Okay, okay, Santa, now no, you sing the verse and we'll sing the follow us, okay? Done, we now are gay apparel. Fala la 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 la. I killed Mrs. Claus and all the elves. la la
3: la la.
4: Thanks, Satan, we have our answer. I knew there had to be a reason why this show is on many worst lists. It's mostly because of this episode. Once you turn one of the most famous representations of the holidays into a would-be killer, any and all chances of accentuating the positive immediately goes down the chimney and onto a flaming log.
0: And now the man
1: in red has some hardcore explaining to do. I made a beeline for the shelter. do we have a shelter underneath the gingerbread house? I dumped it! Slammed the door behind me. I thought Mrs. Claus and the elves were already in there! But then I, I heard knocking. I was gonna let him in, but somehow I froze. I couldn't move. I panicked! And then the screams. The horrible s- screams. I hope to God that none of you ever have to hear an elf
0: scream. So now, with his confession out in the open, the group is naturally stunned over this revelation, a look of shock that causes Santa to snap.
1: You have no right to judge! You can't say what you would have done if you were in my boots! Jack, Jackie, you know me. Jackie, I'm not a monster. I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not! There is no Santa Claus! THIS IS
3: THE WORST CHRISTMAS EVER!
0: I mean... Damn! I've seen things go south in my day, but if this was any sharper of a 180 turn, I'd wind up with permanent neck injury. Not only that, but how the hell do you reconcile the fact that Santa Claus, the same guy who appears on cans of soda, has blood on his hands, accidental or otherwise... Well, that's what we find out in Act 2, as the group tries to steer Santa, as well as a crestfallen Jack in the right direction.
3: I know you're hurt. I think we were all a little... put off by Santa's confession. But hey, the guy panicked. It's understandable. Mark's right. Can any one of us say with certainty that we would have behaved any differently under the same circumstances? And I wish this sausage was Santa's Jack!
0: (laughs) And while Stieg Larson comes up with a torture for his yet-to-be-published first book, Santa comes to grips with his new fate. Why
2: aren't you wearing your suit?
0: Uh, Those days are gone for good.
1: In fact, I'd appreciate it if you'd stop calling me Santa and begin referring to me by my new name, Clem. Clem?
3: I hate you, Clem! I hate
0: you, Clem! And again, in spite of the sharp left turn this show just took, there's actually some decent, if not corny, comedy here. Santa uses a tractor like a team of reindeer. Santa gift-wraps bales of hay instead of stacking them. Santa roasts a candy cane as if it was a turkey. A few good chuckles are had by all. And yet, even though these are all the results of Santa trying to make amends... Santa just doesn't feel the spark anymore.
1: I'm not cut out for farm life. I mean, I'm no more a farmer than I am an electric bass player in some sort of jazz rock fusion group.
2: I still see traces of that depression.
1: So I'm going to say goodbye. Move on. Maybe there's another new beginning out there for an overweight, aging elf
0: killer. So Santa leaves. But as he's trying to, something about how he struggles with opening the door is giving him nothing short of a Vietnam flashback.
3: No, Santa, I think you just locked it. Yeah. Lo- yeah. locked it? You gotta unlock it and then turn the doorknob. Turn what? The doorknob. The- 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 you you lock the turn, turn uh, and then you pull you to, pull to- pull
1: it. Unlock the, pull the top, top, top
3: lock now. The then you turn and you pull.
2: Do you want me to help? And Santa, what are you doing?
3: <laughs> My God. He doesn't know how to open a
1: door. (laughs) Mrs. Claus! Mrs.
3: Claus!
0: So, let me get this straight. Santa Claus, a being who has lived for an untold number of years, probably one of the most industrious beings to have ever existed doesn't know how to work a door this is a guy who runs a fully operational toy factory full of elves has stables full of reindeer possibly a dwelling place of his own where he and mrs. Claus sleep at night and according to at least one riff track short has various homes and offices around the world
1: kids love Santa's office <laughs>
4: And yet, he doesn't know how to use a
0: door? Excuse me. Uh, I, I need to wander off for a second and mutter things to myself in frustration. Uh, I'll be right back. I I,
4: I, 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 I I just don't get it. I, 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 I don't get it. He's, he's Santa Claus. He's he's, he's running a, a factory. He's making toys for people. All over the world. He doesn't know how to use a door. I mean, it's like it, 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 a, a, a doors, like the, the most common object there is. I I I don't understand. How can Santa not know how to use a door? It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no goddamn motherfucking sense. It, 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 I mean. I, 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 I mean, I really don't understand. Just, uh, just like, I, I, I mean, he's a fully grown adult. They, they don't teach you how to open a door. It's just like... I, 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 I mean, he, he, he's a toy maker. He's a toy maker. He, he's married. He's got elbows. He's got a payroll. He feeds reindeer. For God's sake, he doesn't enter a stable. He doesn't unlock gates or latches or anything like that. Just, just I mean, he's... he's, he's, he's delivering toys to kids all over the world. I just don't understand. Why He doesn't know about a goddamn motherfucking door. I it, 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 it still just doesn't make any sense. He's a fully grown adult. He has to look like he's in his 70s. 70-year-old people don't know how to use a fucking door. They're delivering toys. He's... He runs a goddamn factory. He runs elves. He runs reindeer. He runs a business. He's a small business, for God's sakes. And he doesn't you know... Fucking doper. I just don't understand. Really I just... I just... Oh, God. Whoever wrote this. Oh, whoever wrote this. They are going to pay. 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 They
0: So, how does this end?
3: I love you, Shanna! I love you! (laughs) This is gonna be the best Christmas ever!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because of course it has to end on a happy note. Who cares at this point? Why should I care? Because it's a sitcom.
4: A stupid, stupid sitcom that tries to take dark material and put a happy face on it. A stupid sitcom which, by the way, only lasted 10 episodes out of 13 that were made. In fact, this episode was the very last one that aired. And quite honestly, in some dark way, I can't imagine a more fitting way for the show to go out. I mean, once you cover a pseudo-homicidal Santa Claus who loses his Christmas spirit, what the hell else can you do? I can only imagine the other shows it had in mind for Valentine's Day or Easter or Administrative
0: Professionals Day. It's best to cut bait right there. But with all of that said, one thing remains. Is Whoops truly as bad as people say it is? The answer is, kinda, but not really. You heard me correctly, I don't think this is a bad show. Don't get me wrong, it's not a masterpiece by any means, and before you call me out on the rules, I wouldn't exactly go calling this a guilty pleasure, either. It's a dumb show, and its premise was certainly an eye-raiser for the 1990s. But dumb and fun don't necessarily have to be synonymous with each other all the time. I honestly feel that its inclusion on TV Guide's worst-of-all-time list is both unfair and unwarranted. Maybe because of how squeamish the subject matter was for the era, because, you know, It's the 90s. Communism just recently fell and people were still kind of skittish about Cold War happening even though it practically ended. But when you compare it to shows of this day and age, Whoops was actually much more ahead of its time in spite of its stupidity in certain places. So much ahead of its time that 23 years later, Fox would actually revisit the notion of making the end of the world into a comedy. And boy did things change for the better.
3: Okay, I get it! Nobody's coming! You're not giving me anybody! Well, guess what? I don't even care! I don't need people!
0: I can make it work on my own. I'd like to believe that if it weren't for whoops, a show like The Last Man on Earth would never exist. Or it would exist, but then that show would have to face the awkwardness of being the first comedy with apocalyptic ties. Not just on television, either. Because thanks to the world going to hell in a handbasket... You what else can one do but laugh at the way impending way doom in way. other forms of media? Just ask Simon Pegg, what the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. <laughs> or Steve Carell. So, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Catching up on some me time, find God, maybe move around some chairs. Maybe I'll run into your anointing or something. Well, that sounds nice. Or Judd Abbottow's platoon of performers. The sheriff's office is urging people to stay in
4: their homes right now. Ah!
2: Siegel's dead, oh! Crumhaus is dead, Michael Sarah's dead.
0: These and several dozen other examples all took place after whoops went off the air. Coincidence? Probably. But at the same time, a lot of those entities wouldn't take place if it were not for something paving the way first. Still though, in spite of its best efforts, the show does have its fair share of flaws. And I gotta lay them out because if I don't, the boss is gonna have me reincarnated as a Christmas tree in a forest fire. So, where does whoops hunker down in the fallout shelter of Telehell? Let's unseal the locks to our nine circles. Limbo, Lust, Gluttony,
4: greed, Wrath, Heresy, Violence, saw Treachery!
0: Well, we just mentioned that three shows didn't air, so... Hello, Limbo! And there was that part in the pilot where the men were fawning over that girl from Groundhog Day entering as the sixth survivors, so some minor cases of lusting there. And let's also not forget the fact that the events of this show wound up happening because of nuclear warfare. And no matter how dramatized or whitewashed that aspect turned out to be, it still caused the near-mass extinction of the human race. An extinction that was further punctuated by Santa's story of how he couldn't save Mrs. Claus and the elves due to having a doorknob deficiency. So, an act of violence helped get the ball rolling here. And speaking of that, good sweet Lucifer. I've seen some stupid plot twists when I was alive, but making Santa Claus that big of a moron that he doesn't know the intricacies of twisting a knob to the left or the right had to be a sign that the writers of the show might not have had any other ideas beyond 13 episodes. So stupid was the writing there that it not only felt like heresy against a beloved representation of the holidays, but it actually caused me to step out of hell and yell into the night sky in anger. Which I think may have caused a brush fire somewhere. And my apologies to those who are out there shopping for Christmas trees right now. On the plus side, maybe you can get them at a discount price now. Whoops earns five out of nine circles of telehell. I see it as nothing but dumb fun that was far ahead of its time. And considering it's the holidays, I'll afford to be nice this one time. Oh, for fuck's sake. Enough of the sleigh bells already. What else do you want? Oh, now what? Huh. Looks like a video game cartridge with a sticker missing. I wonder what this is. Next time on Telehell, what has been said by many to be one of... The worst Christmas specials of
1: all time. Oh, I don't give up yet, Santa. There's the answer to your problem. Our pellets? Methinks Pocky's gone wacky.
4: Until then... If it's not in Telehell,
0: it's not worth a damn. Not unlike certain viruses, Telehell is everywhere now. In addition to Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, we can also be heard on Google Podcasts and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, we can also be heard in a number of other places just by googling Telehell. And don't forget to like, comment, rate,
4: subscribe, and follow our social feeds—Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcasts.